Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. This is the special delivery episode of Fan Bros, and it's your boy DJ Ben Amin. On this Memorial Day edition of Special Delivery. And that means, sadly, there's no resurrection. Or, oh, I mean, not even that. <laughs> there's not even Game of Thrones tonight. Yeah. Happily, there's no resurrection. <laughs> I mean, pretty happily, that's right. And I'm joined on the spaceship, as you hear, by the boy, Kimsonian. How you doing, Kimsonian? Chilling, man. Appreciating the time off. Yeah, but we don't have any time off. You know, I wanted to speak about that, Kimsonian. Like, it's Memorial Day today. Right. Or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this. You know, who knows when you caught this. It might have already passed. Yeah, it probably did, because you're at a barbecue right now. You're not, you know recording special delivery with the fan bros but we're here you know even though there was no game of thrones we do have uh new episodes of penny dreadful yep. orphan black yep and so we're in the house what's going on Kimsonian? let's talk about it what is popping in tv with no game of thrones this week well as usual our sunday night episode is going to include the Penny Dreadful, newly launched, episode three. We're still early in this series. And I got to say, I'm all caught up on Orphan Black. I'm feeling better about myself. Ben Hameen had me shook a little bit because I wasn't so caught up. So now I'm feeling better. Uh, my self-esteem has returned. Um, I can now confidently speak about this show. Shout out to Jamie Rigetti, uh, who's been, uh, you know, a big supporter of the Fan Bros. Obviously, one of the originals. Um, who's over at BBC and uh, shout her out. But uh, yeah, Orphan Black, man, um, and Penny Dreadful. That's what's up for uh, tonight. All right, well, let's get right into Penny Dreadful since that's the newer of the shows that we're covering this week. Uh, what was the name of the episode of Penny Dreadful? Uh, Resurrection. Kind of ah, quite fitting. Hey. Quite fitting. As we saw the return, I mean, well, last week we saw the return of Prodigal Son, right? Uh, Frankenstein's first monster. I call him Frankenstein number one. Frankenstein number one. Frankenstein numero uno. That's as right. It's, the OG. I mean, actually, he's, he's the only Frankenstein monster. Right actually, now, at this point, that's true. Part of, I mean, tore the other dude apart. That's right. That's right. And he definitely not like all the king's horses getting put back together or whatever that is. Uh, Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> you know. No, in fact, no. the uh, the if you watch the show, you'll see that most of the scenes were Frankenstein one talking to the Doctor Frankenstein. You had Frankenstein two just flayed on the floor in the corner <laughs> I mean, the whole time. <laughs> they didn't even bother to kind of help my man out, and it's just. He just got reduced to body parts, man. I mean, yo, there, there was definitely, like, they were definitely showing you that he was not putting himself to get back together. You know, shout out to everybody who caught X-Men this weekend. There was no healing factor involved here. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, so uh, basically Proteus, who was Frankenstein number one, got broken in half by uh, the newly named Caliban, who is now, uh, I guess, Frankenstein number two. Um, yep. Ben, what did you think about how this, this Frankenstein story is uh, evolving? 
I thought it was crazy, yo. I, I have to give enough props to the writers on this episode because I loved how, like, in the last episode, you didn't really get a sense that this was Frankenstein's monster. You know, it was like, dude would seem to be, I mean, he had a little bit of rage, you know, at being brought back and, you know, when he started remembering his past life. But he seemed to be, you know, on a good path and then he gets torn apart. And then you meet, you know, Caliban and Caliban is straight up and down a monster. And maybe it's also like one of those things where, you know, where he was raised, you know, or how he was brought up is what contributes to him being a monster. But he's definitely not, you know, the sweet, you know, with the sad eyes that, you know, uh, Frankenstein number two had. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I love the parallel that they did between the doctor reminiscing about his mom dying early and his mm. search for what the meaning of life is. And then you have, you know, his progeny, basically, you know, Caliban, Frankenstein number two, who also is searching for why he exists. But what I really like about it is that they completely redefine what Frankenstein is, basically, for all us older heads who've always been seeing him as this dumb, kind of thoughtless, you know, monster. These Frankensteins, is that the plural of Frankensteins? <laughs> these these oh, Frankensteins Frankenstein, are, yeah. are, yeah, are super literate and like uh very eloquent with their speech and and uh very I mean, Victorian. he was brought up on keats you know and all the great poets as he says so yeah. you know he's definitely eloquent with his speech he was killing it i have to give enough props to the actor playing caliban because dude was definitely coming up i mean those lines were wordy as hell and he was definitely delivering them easily so he said Props one one thing that I just really struck me, jumped out. I had to I had to make note. He says, "I am modern. I am modernity personified," and I really dug that idea that modernity, that modernity, which is you know, like I am modernity, is basically what you're <laughs> right. saying there. Well, in Ben Hamin speak, it's modernity, right? But yeah. modernity I mean, is is basically modernity. you know, I mean, Frankenstein defining himself as the future of what life is about. I thought that was like very, you know, with all the machines, it's the industrial revolution. And here you have, you know, a human or a being created by a human mm. and who's self-aware. I thought that was super. That's like maybe a Terminator saying to everybody else, like, look, I am the future. You know, I am I am I am bigger than you. I am, you know. So anyway, I thought that was like really, really nice. And it jumped out. It was a great line. Um and so to wrap up that arc, though, what was really interesting is we fast forward to the fact that he wants love. And what does that mean, Ben Hameen? It means he needs Frankenstein, the, the bride of Frankenstein. My man needs him to, you know, make up a woman with some, you know, black hair shooting up out of her head, looking like a weird Marge Simpson with the little <laughs> lightning bolts in it. Right, right, right. I mean, I, I thought that was really good because you can only dwell on the Frankenstein kind of myth so much. They had already redefined the character. Here you go. He fast forwards to the chase. Make me a woman. Look around. Pick your target. And I need it now. <laughs> I thought that was I'm, actually really, um, really smart on the on the part of the writers. Um, once again, I really liked how they're moving it so quickly and also how um that they also like you were saying they tied in the whole industrial age and the industrial revolution when he was talking to the actor who brought him into the theater with the you know he was like oh your stars must have been caused by some machinery and it's like well actually you know they were caused by some machinery but uh about right. that 
Yeah. And of course, of course, somebody like him would be, you know, in the theater. You know, all outcasts end up being in the theater. I thought, that I thought was he a, was going to say, there's one place for you, the freak show. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> but back then, the theater was pretty much the freak show. So I feel like, especially that level of theater, you know, I thought that was a, a really good place for him to end up. Um, and then also have this fascination with, you know, this beautiful woman who is the main actress of the theater company. It kind of, you know, triggers his want for this woman. Anyway, Penny Dreadful. One last is, thing. Weren't they doing um, a rendition or of uh, what's the Johnny Depp movie? Um, yeah, Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Todd. Sweeney yeah. Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also hilarious. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Threw that in real quick. It's a Johnny Depp movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's been so many uh, versions of Sweeney Todd, but uh, but you choosing Johnny Depp version is uh, is pretty telling, Ben Hamid. <laughs> um, anyway, just to wrap up on Penny Dreadful, um, the second half basically of the show, we return to our main characters, and uh, we figure out that um, basically Sir Malcolm has still uh, looking for his daughter. Uh, Vanessa, the seer, is able to communicate with Mina. And uh, they that's his daughter, Mina. Is Mina's daughter. the daughter who's been abducted by we don't know exactly what or whom. I'm kind of thinking Dracula might be somebody else. Um, but anyway, they venture into the London Zoo uh, late at night. And a funny thing happens. Uh, they run into some stray wolves that are just roaming the zoo. And uh, Josh Hartnett's character uh, is able to, I guess, keep them at bay by them almost biting his hand off, but then they leave, which tells me that he's either a Lugaru himself or uh, he can communicate. Somebody, somehow he has some supernatural tendencies, but I'm assuming that he's a werewolf. And then they Did come you say across... a Lugaru? Uh, yeah. A Lugaru himself? L- Lugaru, yes. The Lugaru is the French word for werewolf. Ooh, Kim Sony and getting <laughs> cultured on this episode of Special Delivery. But actually, if you kind of Google Lugaru, which is L-O-U-G-A-R-O-U, um, you'll also see that many, um, it's been used in many different versions of the, of the wolfman or the werewolf or whatever. Uh, I like to use the word because I think the wolfman gets a bad rap. People feel like he's like the streets of the monsters. He's like the ghetto of the monsters. And I feel like... I always like... I'm going to butcher this word real quick. Is it lycanthrope? Right. Lycanthrope is another word. Sure. Of course, the Underworld series ran with the lichens. Um, Lugaru, I like... It also has a Cajun thing to it. So, you know, I always always feel like maybe there was a werewolf some there in the New Orleans swamps. But, uh... Um, the, they, the one that Gambit was fighting, right? right. <laughs> yeah, right. They could have. Oh, look, whoa! <laughs> um, and uh, they run into uh, a character who is eating uh, uh, basically little monkeys, and come to find out that this character knows Vanessa already. His name is Fenton, I think, and they take him back to. Uh, they imprison him, basically. And the episode ends with him saying, oh, master, I feel you. I can feel you here. And basically, I feel like this is the new version of Renfield. And he's just calling. He's just acknowledging that Dracula is somewhere. The Count is somewhere and, you know, is returning and, and uh, somewhere. Has in the Malcolm midst. been shown in the daytime is a question there. They did go to a party. At night. 
That's true. It was at night. No, he's been shown. He's walked and the streets. In the daytime, yeah, he's walked. He's, he's so walked he's the not streets. the vampire. No. No. Uh, one thing though, I, Vanessa's background, we we still need to figure out, and uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, Fenton called her uh, some sort of whore or something, so I'm assuming that she is either knowledgeable about <laughs> Dracula already, or has maybe messed around with him. So whores have knowledge of Dracula just off top. Well, like, he just... he knows her, I guess, in some supernatural way. So yep. there's history that's got to be revealed. Um, good setup, good episode. I think there's a lot of things that I want to see how they play out down the line. Most definitely. I really, like you said, I thought it was a really good episode. Probably better than the second one. And I really like, once again, even though I feel that this show is definitely... Shout out to all my comic readers out there, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mixed with a bit of planetary, and then like turned up the horror to full tilt on it. But I thought this was a great episode. I love the introduction of Caliban and his history and his whole storyline. Definitely made me want to see the Nets episode more than the second one did. So, you know, we're picking up on Penny Dreadful. Yeah, the momentum is gaining. Definitely is. And, you know, we got to cover our other show real quick. You know, like we said before, no Game of Thrones this week. But Orphan Black, yo, is really turning up a notch. I have to say, once again, I didn't think that I'd be watching this season because I kind of, you know, bomb-rushed the first season, watched it all once, and I, I was kind of tired of it after that. But now I have to say the second season, especially with this episode, we're finally getting some answers, and I'm really feeling the show. Jimsonian, what was the name of this joint? So uh, the name of this episode, as all Orphan Black episode titles are super long and phrases from ancient science books. This one was called To Hound Nature in Her Wanderings, and it's from a, like a 1625 manuscript by Francis Bacon. Wow. And uh, back. So just FYI, if show you show up on Penny Dreadful real quick. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, if you wiki uh, the first season, all the titles are taken from Charles Darwin's uh, Origin of a Species, and so okay. I think now they're just they're just calling forth all these uh, phrases from old manuscripts about nature and science and stuff like that. Yep. So um, yeah, definitely, I have no idea what that references other than that, like you said, it's Francis Bacon's work, but. I really felt this episode. I'm really happy that we're finally seeing, you know, some more answers to everything. As usual, Tatiana Maslany. You know, somebody attacked me for butchering her name, but I think that's it's, what I do. I, I, yeah, I think it's Maslany. Maslany. All right, Tatiana Maslany. I actually peeped an interview with her, you know, one of the little uh, making of. And it's crazy how she has really no accent. And then she puts on all these different ones and different characters. And just her portrayal of Helena is so crazy. Or like her eyes wide open, always looking like Helena is like a little child, you know, but not stupid, very intelligent woman at the same time, but has that, you know, child appeal where everything is new to her still. And the way she portrays that is just crazy. I have to big up uh, the camping scene real quick and the shot of them lying in bed with them when they were opposite each other and like the yin yang like they formed a yin yang you know they had the shot from above of them and helena is one way and sarah is the other way and it just gives us great yin yang of them and that was you know excellent camera work excellent portrayal of both clones 
you know, just the show is really kicking right now. So, Ben, I got a question. So now that I'm all caught up, one thing that hit me was, do you know the game uh, F. Mary Kill? Yes. So who would you F. Mary Kill <laughs> on Orphan Black? Wow, that is a great Wintemsonian. That is like, man, that might be the best question about Orphan Black ever. Let's let's have that for our question of the week for all the fan bros out there. Who would you F. Mary Kill of the clones? And off top, F. Mary Kill, I'm going to have to go with, um, I'm going to have to, damn, that's So there's Helena, one. there's Rachel, there's the suburban mom, there's Sarah, who's kind of, I guess, the balanced one, or, um, there's also Cosima, who's a lesbian. Yep. I'm going to have to go with Sarah, Allison... Damn it, I don't want to put Kasima down there, so I'll, I'll go with Rachel, yeah. So, Sarah, how, so how does that go? What, so what does that mean? What does that mean? F is Sarah. Okay. Uh, Allison is Mary. What? I, I'd maybe go with... Oh, no, no, you're right. You're right. No, that's not right. Okay, okay. I'm going to go Sarah, Kasima, uh, Rachel. You're going to marry... I really like Allison, yo. I can't even, I can't even front. I can't even front, yeah. All right, so... Allison might have to go in the F category because, you know, her... Uh, suburban mom, something about it. Just it <laughs> I cannot front, y'all. I mess with Allison tough, and and also Allison. If you did marry, seems like the one who's gonna hold you down. You know, like she'll kill. You know, she'll you know she'll cut a broad off. You know, like in a, in a quick second. And like, she, yeah, she is. She's a killer for sure. She's a shooter. She's a shooter. No, for sure. For I sure. Have to, I have to mess with Allison, but yeah, uh, let's let's leave that as a question of the week for the fan bros. F. Mary Kill, which of the clones would you roll with? Also in this episode, big revelations. Sarah, after making the idiotic move of leaving Helena in the car like she's just trying to chill, and that doesn't happen, but Sarah finds Duncan, a.k.a. the Swan Man, a.k.a. Andrew Peckerman, a.k.a. Rachel's dad, uh, shout out to the actor playing him. I thought that was a great scene. I loved, he just epitomized remorse in that scene. You also find out that the clones were first a corporate project, well, a military project. And then when that failed or when it was deemed unethical, the Dyad Institute, you know, rolled in like a corporation will do. And it's like, you know, ethics, who cares? And kept it going. They're also responsible. We also find out that Leaky might be the real bit bad and not Rachel, as Leaky killed uh, Peckerman's wife and stole Rachel away to raise him as his own. And that's why Rachel is now this other thing. And the biggest revelation in a real quick moment was the fact that you definitely have not seen all of the clones because he's like, yo, we're not the only. I have no idea how many of there are out there i mean how many of you there are out there because we weren't the only people making y'all so you know they were like right away you know you're gonna see a lot more tatiana doing a lot more clones because that ain't it so let me ask you a question let me play two two things jumped out besides the f mary kill thing so yep. now that there's so many there's potential for so many other clones i'm just gonna play devil's advocate now these tv shows these days we know 
have so many different storylines, so many different characters to keep up with. And, you know, some people love that. Um, something like Breaking Bad, where they kind of whittled down all these characters into a central theme. You didn't get too many. You got, I felt like you got just the right amount. And Orphan Black, is is there really too much of Tatiana Maslany? Is, the, no. is it is it really too many, too many clones? I don't think so. Not yet. I, I could definitely see them get into that point. You know, they could jump that shark. They could nuke that refrigerator. But I don't think they've gotten there just yet. Like, I really feel she's handling it pretty well. I mean, not even pretty well, like stunningly well. And no, I don't think there's too many. There's only like, you know what, we, we only have like four main storylines we're following right now. You know, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead definitely gets handled more in one episode. They keep everything moving. You know, we still have some time with Felix and Mad Face Art, you know, the cop. The one, we, we the other cop who's uh, messing with Vic at the rehab center, she's like, man, nobody, I don't know. I'm wondering, she's like, uh, what's his name on Resurrection? Uh, black dude. Oh, Omar. Omar, right. Yeah, she's like Omar Epps. Like, how does she still have a job? Like, why is she still on this chase? You right. know, it's like, she's putting all kind of effort, and I'm not sure what she's really chasing. But now, I don't really feel like the storyline has drawn too far. I could definitely see them going there, but not far, you know, not so far now. And then let me ask you one more point. Do you think yep. that the the evil of of the show, right, whether it's this company or that organization or this person, you know, the religious guys – something's missing where to me are they evil enough have they done like the deed where you're like yo i I think when they sewed shorty's face her mouth shut that was it wasn't evil enough but they have this creep the prolethians have this creepy evil about them like especially paul right the dude i I mean not, not paul um paul is no paul's gone now but no, Paul's not Paul. I'm sorry, the other guy. Um, yeah, Paul's who's down with uh, Rachel and whatnot. And I love Paul. Like Paul's another one who, like, you know, he at first he's a good guy, then he's a bad guy, and he is like uh, my man Ward on Shield, where like as a good guy you really didn't like him that much, but as a bad guy he's like, oh, you know, you really hate him. But the Prolethians have that. They're some creepy bastards. Yeah, maybe not evil enough yet because I don't feel like their plans or what they're really up to has been revealed enough yet. But I really do feel that they're definitely creepy enough. Right on. I just felt like they could they they need to to uh, raise the factor of the evil overall. I feel like right now what's driving the story is Rachel's trying to find Kira, and basically that's it. Everything else is kind of secondary to that i mean you know helena's i mean sarah's trying to find Kira. I'm, no 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 rachel i mean rachel trying to you know i mean rachel's trying to find sarah basically but basically kira's the the daughter is the crux to yeah. the whole thing you know definitely and has been since the first season and, I, and I, that was my problem in the first season i got really tired of you know sarah always oh kira kira you know it felt like uh whoa you know from lost right but it's there's more to it now because the mystery of what it is and what the clones are is also what drives me to keep going and the fact that they've been revealing it bit by bit i'm i'm feeling it and like i said this episode with peckerman 
and Swan Man, he, you know, because he seems to be this big bad that they're chasing. And then when they meet him, he's just a tired old man who's, you know, got nothing but regret in his life. I, I really like that. So I, it's more the characters that keep me. And like, I'm, once again, shout out to Tatiana because she's holding down all, all these characters. And, you know, like, I love Allison's story, just her whole going through everything. Kasima kind of annoys me at times, but in this episode, I really liked her and Sarah coming together and realizing that they need to be there for each other. You know, nah, Orphan Black, I, I think it's doing as well. I, I have to, you know, say because I was one of the ones who was like, meh. And now, <laughs> you know, I'm hooked. All right. Yeah. So I think that's about it. You know, good episodes all around of Penny Dreadful, Orphan Black. We're going to have our question of the week of the clones. Who would you F Mary kill? <laughs> <laughs> Great one by Kimsonian. Anything else before we check out? Uh, no, nah, I think that's it, man. Just, uh, you know, I think uh, Game of Thrones is off next week, too. Uh, what? Uh, I think it's twice. Yeah. And also, side note for me personally, Silicon Valley is not on. That's my mm. show. Shout out to Silicon Valley. Just a comedy on HBO. Great show. Great Check show. it out, fan bros. We we need to speak on it, but it's not very much. You know, good comedy. It got an overarching storyline through the whole first season. Check it out. Very well done. I do want to give a shout out real quick. Check out fanbros.com. There is a Kickstarter for the Fearless Future graphic novel going on right now. Just found out that the cover of the graphic novel itself will be done by Theotis Jones, nice. an amazing graphic artist, does all the show bills for the Combat Jet show. Trying to be crazy. Fearless Future, the Kickstarter is going on. Support it right now. Check it out. Fearless Future on Kickstarter. Search for it on fanbros.com. You can read all of the digi comics on fanbros.com. That will compromise the graphic novel of fearless future crazy project check it out support thank you uh, that would be comprise the graphic novel not compromise but we we know what you man mean. listen you know i don't know when you are listening to this but i've had a long <laughs> night folks so you know hey it happens it's with peace compromise, and love ben i mean peace and love you know butcher of names your boy dj ben i mean i'm out of here Kimsonian. Peace. Peace. Fan Bros. F-A-N. We are O-S. We are O-S.